Hello team and welcome to episode 415 of the Simply Fit podcast. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Adrian Knight. Adrian is an accomplished acquisition entrepreneur, adventurer, and endurance athlete. Adrian's entrepreneurial journey is a unique one. And what you'll find out in today's conversation is that Adrian's secret sauce, aka all the work he does from a personal development standpoint, has been a crucial key to his success. Success leaves clues. And in this episode, we're gonna dive into the things that have led Adrian to exactly where he is today. In this episode, you can expect to learn how you can keep going when you're going through tough situations, why Adrian has a reminder of his mortality on display that shows him exactly how many weeks he has left to live, along with what you can do if you want to start getting up earlier, but don't consider yourself an early riser. So without further ado, Adrian Knight. How are you today? I'm very good, thank you, Elliot. Thank you so much for uh, having me on your show, and uh, a huge, huge congratulations for passing the 400 episode mark. It's just uh, phenomenal. Thank you. I'm so honoured to be here. Ah, the pleasure is truly mine, and thank you so, so much. I know we had a little chat off air just now about it all, and it's crazy to reflect on it. And your episode will be something like 410 or 416 or something along those lines. So well on our way to 500 at that stage. But yeah, much appreciated. But I want to get into your story today. I'm looking forward to getting to know you a little bit better. I've had a little look through who you are and what it is that you do. But can you share that with the audience to begin with? What it is that Adrian Knight does on a day-to-day basis, and what makes you who you are yeah absolutely so um i am a acquisition entrepreneur so what that means in a non-jargon sense is that i buy and sell businesses um i'm a terrible startup entrepreneur i've had 12 failed startups behind me and uh yeah i'm just not very good at starting businesses but a lot better at going into something that's already running fixing the problems and then either keeping those or uh, selling them on. And I sort of do a balance of the two. Um, alongside that, I'm a very proud dad. My wife and I got married literally eight weeks ago, nine weeks ago. So um, thank you very much. Yeah, very, um, very happy on the family life. And um, in terms of some of my personal aspirations, I'm big into my endurance events, but more specifically uh, endurance adventures. So I love to uh, do some pretty extreme stuff with a with an endurance slant on it. Sounds amazing. And we'll start with the career side of things. What got you into the world of pretty much acquiring companies and selling them on in the first place? Yeah, so it's it's really bizarre because when I was in my teenage years, I always had this idea that I would buy and sell businesses. It was completely unfounded. I didn't know anyone who was doing it. There was like, there's a lot of celebrity CEOs and businessmen out there, but there wasn't really anyone. I didn't have any role models. Um, in fact, the only role models I had were uh, people like Lord Hansen and Michael Ashcroft, who not really anyone's heard of as much. And I just had this idea, but I also felt that I couldn't walk that path until I had built a successful startup. It was kind of like a rite of passage, like you learn certain things when you start a business that I felt would be invaluable for that world. And so that started my journey of just over a decade of starting and failing, starting and failing. I had some mini sort of successes in there, but certainly nothing I could like hang my hat on properly. Um, it was primarily failures. And then it was when I was, I mean, 33, 34, I turned 38 next week. So it wasn't even that long ago. Um, it was when I discovered I was going to be a dad 
to my beautiful little girl, Evie, who's just turned four. And that was when something really switched in me. And I, I just took a step back and I was like, you're working every hour under the sun. You're giving it absolutely everything, but you're not getting anything out of it. I was barely making ends meet. Washing our faces is the yeah the term often used. And I was like, what type of dad are you going to be? And what type of dad do you want to be? And I didn't want to be the one, like, I'm a very hands-on person. Terrible at DIY, but I love getting involved with stuff and, you know, it's like mini adventures and, and stuff like that. So I wanted to be hands-on, which meant being present. But that also meant having something that would support me financially. And so I decided that was the time. If I was going to do it, I was going to do it then and so I've done a little bit of training it wasn't anything too much it was just like a I think it was like a two or three day training course and I just started and within three months of uh, sort of coming out of that I mean I threw myself at it within three months I acquired my first company bought it for a pound it was a 30 year old business and had some uh, a few little problems and I actually sold that last year for a very healthy six-figure um, some so, so pretty good was, return on your investment huh well my biggest it, it was but my biggest mistake with that was that I should have sold it much sooner so I acquired it and most of the value was added within like the first six months of ownership but then I held on to it thinking oh we want to grow this as a lot of people do when they first come into this world it's like a lot of people come in myself included with like an empire building mode oh, I want to build an empire and this is a great way but I mean trust me it's I've, I've done that and I'm doing that and it's hard 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 graft what I should have done was sold that after six months and that would have been the point where I got maximum value because I would have got the same amount then as I did like a couple of years later um, minus the headaches and the the responsibility of owning the business. So. Yeah, precisely. And the years that you invested, I'm sure they served you in different ways in terms of the learning that you have right now, but you also put an extra couple of years and you probably would have returned the same amount of maybe monetary investment had you pulled out in six months. Exactly that. Exactly that. I, I like In terms of monetary, also in terms of experience, I felt in hindsight, because after selling that business, well, we'd actually um, uh, just come back from a three-week break in Mauritius and uh, I, I sold it I made the, the decision to sell a couple of weeks after that and then I managed to sell it quite quickly so I sold it about four to six I think about four to six weeks after that and in hindsight I realized that the financial benefit I got plus the experience and all the knowledge I soaked up from that business really was at the six month part everything past that it wasn't diminishing returns but it was a little bit because I still had to put you know, energy, time, even think about stuff like that, do like do little things. I wasn't involved day to day. So um, yeah, it was just a good lesson, like a, a nice lesson, I guess. <laughs> yeah, a nice lesson for life, I would say as well, because I think there's a lot of times in which maybe we can take that into situations like staying in a relationship for too long or trying to pursue this career with the potential of climbing up the ladder and then realizing that actually maybe we've gotten all that we can out of this job this relationship for example and now is the time to leave and move on to something else and take all of our experience and whatever we've gained with us and i think that's a nice lesson that you go through there and i'm curious about this not being amazing at startups but being amazing at acquiring and selling companies what is the difference there for you what have you recognized that okay why can't i start companies but why am i incredible at acquiring them and selling them what's been the difference there for you so with um with startups I was good at getting things moving. I've got a lot of energy and I can bring people together and I can see 
like where it needs to go and I can I can sort of encourage and inspire people to be brought into that so good at getting things moving but then there comes a point quite quickly where that can only go so far you start you, you need to start building systems and processes and put in a bit more operational structure in place which is where I just fell flat on my face every single time even like financial systems it was just boom 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 like constantly doing that but in the world of acquisitions so when you buy a business particularly a small business the first thing to to understand is that you are buying a bunch of problems like regardless of what the owner says I promise you there will be a ton of problems some they will tell you about many they won't tell you about and even more they're not even aware of yeah so you're going in yeah um so you're going in as a problem solver and it's a very unique situation in which there's a team of people you're the stranger they don't know who you are some people see you as a like a, a white knight come in to get things moving other people see you as a dark knight there to sort of you know swing the sword basically and it's a little bit of both if i'm honest you have to play a bit of both roles but when you go into that, there's normally a period there where it's, it's like the turnaround period. So you go in and you've identified the problems and you know there's going to be more and it requires quite a lot of like energy, gusto, bringing together the vision, like the stuff that is more aligned to who I am. And that phase normally lasts anywhere from like three months, probably up to 12 months at the very most. But at that point, you come into the same sort of problems or, or challenges in terms of a lot of it's been done. It's now time for like myself to exit, either by selling the business or by putting in a team of managers who can then run with that business. But even that comes with sort of like burdens and, and problems because ultimately the buck stops with you. And so it, but, but it's a different dynamic, really. Essentially, you're recognizing that you're more of a problem solver versus one of those people who comes in and needs to create everything from scratch. And I think that you've been able to just hone in on your skill set, which intuitively, it seems like you deep down, you or always knew that it was just that you needed to kind of go through that experience, give yourself that permission to eventually do it. Do you think you would be in the same position you are now had you started earlier or did you need that time of starting and failing 12 startups before you were able to move into this, maybe with the authority and the confidence that you needed? Do you think it would have been the same if you'd started maybe a decade ago? I'm very grateful for all those failures and I'm a big believer in failing forward. And so I don't believe success is... I mean, I believe success comes from failure. So I look at those failures and I'm like, great, it's led me towards success. So I certainly wouldn't have wanted to gone into this and say when I was 20 years old, but maybe at sort of the seventh or eighth failure on a startup, like somewhere in between really. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe maybe a little bit earlier, but not too early because there were some key lessons and insights that I got from those failures, which was at a time when I had no responsibilities, the numbers were really small, so the the fall to the ground was. It felt like a a massive like jump off a cliff, but in reality, it was like stepping off a tightrope. Like we just like hovering above the floor. Like it, it wasn't that bad. Whereas, as certainly as, as I started to build, you know, group of companies, that gap is getting a lot bigger now. And like, oh, the consequences are getting a little bit higher here. Essentially, you were able to kind of go with your stabilizers on initially and now you've yeah. been able to take those off where it matters right and i think that that's again that's another good thing about what you've recognized a lot of times in your life right is that sometimes you need to go through those things and maybe you don't recognize at the time why they're actually serving you but once you get to the part in which you're like okay well this is 
you know, the main scene of the movie and all that training and all this hardship I went through before was paying off for this moment as well. And I think that that's quite a nice perspective that I've recently had is the thought that when you go for something particularly bad, if you spread it out over a long enough time frame, you recognize that it actually is more of a net positive than a net negative. You know, in that moment, maybe it's a six month hardship, it's terrible. And maybe for the following year, year and a half after that, it's pretty rough. But when you actually zoom out for across the course of 10 years, you might've had a month and a half, sorry, a year and a half of hardship, but the lessons you've gained from that are eight and a half years of positives because you're able to apply that to the future. So it's interesting when you actually reflect on your failures, like you said, you're failing forward because of essentially it's bad in that moment. But when you stretch it out across a long enough time frame, it eventually actually ends up serving you in this unusual, but really impactful way. It is so true like what you've just said is so accurate and i could not agree more uh, like more of it and certainly during my 20s i didn't have the awareness and the insight to understand that but over the last sort of three to four years i've become a lot more acute and attuned to that situation and so this summer is a great example of this because this summer the last three to four months have been without question the hardest time of my life um the my last acquisition that started to go sour and it was like the stakes were a lot higher and it was just fierce, like the intensity of the situations there. I think we need half a day just to get it, just to like get it, like to explain it all. Uh, I've had so many people say like, you can't write this stuff. It was just insane. On top of that, we were coming up to our wedding and unfortunately uh, my wife's mother passed away a few weeks before our wedding. Then in the week leading up to the wedding, I found out my younger sister was diagnosed with breast cancer. Like it was just intent and a few more other things in our like in our in the personal and professional life where I was like, this is so surreal because of the intensity. But the whole time, and I'm very active in, on Instagram, and the whole time I'm sort of sharing with people like sharing what's going on, uh, but saying you've got to look for the silver lining. There's a bigger opportunity here. And sometimes we just have to use this the intensity of these situations and see it for what it is, which is a, you know, an opportunity to grow. And there's a catalyst to move into new directions or to double down on what we're doing. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that, like for that awareness, I guess, because it, it certainly got me through the toughest, like lowest points over the months and, and also made me conscious of, where is the opportunity in this? Like everything just hit the fan, but where's the opportunity? And they and they're there, and I'm and I'm sort of working on them, and so I'm very grateful for that. Like the last few months, even though the intensity of it, but that never would have come had it not been for like the twelve failures, for example. So it's it's just such a yeah. It would have been nice to start buying and selling businesses earlier, but at the same time, I've I've gained so much. It just hasn't been what we deem as like success in the form of like finances like during that period so yeah it all comes full circle doesn't it and it sounds very much like that when it comes to your story as well and something that you've mentioned and something that's very interesting about your story and you mentioned that your secret source is your interest in personal development and your mindset mm. and if you go to your instagram you can see that's all written all over your dna and your personality of who you are today and it's super inspiring and powerful stuff and i'm interested because a lot of people will stop in a particular venture that they want to succeed in whether it be their pursuit as a career or their pursuit in building a business or their health and fitness or something along those lines but they struggle with the consistency aspect and you and I probably know how important that is to just about anything that we want to succeed in in life and when those big things come up you know you've gone through 
a really, really tough situation with this current acquisition. Unfortunately, your partner's mum passes away, your sister is then diagnosed with breast cancer. So it's a rough, rough time. How do you keep going during those moments? I know you said you look for those silver linings, but there's one thing to say, okay, I can see the opportunity here, but it's another thing to put all of that you know, of course, process it and deal with it as much as you need to, but to put it to a side and continue going. Because there's so many times when I work with health and fitness clients, for example, it's, you know, something came up, you know, whether it was a terrible situation at work, a personal situation, and that's the thing that throws them off. But I see that you still progress through those things. So how do you get yourself to keep going, continue at a high level of quality of work and commitment to the things you're doing? during those tough times as well i'm very curious about that yeah so it's it's a great question and this is what certainly on my instagram i just i just want to literally stand on the rooftops and shout this out to and like please <laughs> just listen to anything please 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 listen to this because this is what has changed everything for me not just my life in terms of success but has gotten me through you know like the last few months truly like genuinely i really mean it um so just a bit of context about 18 months ago, I was waking up about 2, 2.30 in the morning with severe anxiety and panic attacks. Like I, like I would wake up at half two, I'd be in this deep, like panic attack, like sheer and utter dread. And it would take me like an hour and a half, two hours just to come out of that. And I would, and then so I'd be going into like the early hours of the morning and I'd be like sweating, like cold sweat and, and just so like, wanting to reassure myself and I didn't say anything to my wife because I didn't want her to get concerned and also there was the element of you know I've, I felt I had to be like the man like the masculine the like stuff yeah. that I wasn't being I, I wasn't open to that vulnerability at that point but it was so severe I just when I came through one of those nights I was like something has to change here like something has to change I just could see it on the wall that if something didn't then I think it would have ended in like my family splitting um, I think I would have lost everything, but I might have had a successful business. But everything else, my family, my daughter, like would have gone. So long story short, I went to see a therapist who kind of like done a bit of a um an audit. It's like, dude, you like there needs to be some changes here. And so that started me on the path. <clears throat> and I've always been into personal development, but started me on the path where I started to create more time in my life for me. And the way I did that, because I've always liked early mornings. I started using my mornings in very particular ways. So I'd get up, but rather than going straight to emails on my phone, I, I would put all of that aside and I would read 10 pages of a book. Then I would um, meditate and then I would go to the gym and I'd work out. And I started to find in a very short period that I was becoming a different person. And I didn't, at the time, I couldn't connect the dots. But like fast forward a few, like even just like a couple of months later, and I'm like, whoa, like business is going pretty good, probably better than it ever has. And I wasn't feeling the anxiety. And then we went on a on a cruise last year, which was, you know, on the surface, oh, fantastic, meant to be on a, a cruise, like couldn't have been anything better. And the whole time I felt awful and I couldn't understand why. I had no real pressures at that point. I had no real, I certainly wasn't having anxiety or panic attacks anymore. I, I just, there was no external reason, but I felt terrible. And it was a day before we came home when the penny dropped. And I realized what it was is because on that week I'd been having my sleep-ins. I hadn't been getting up and spending that time working on me. And that's when the dots connected. And so from that point forward, I started to take this a lot more seriously and so now like fast forward to now and fast forward to the last few months 
I'm up at 4am, seven days a week, three, six, five days a year. I go straight into my reading. I then spend time visualizing. I meditate. I then go to the gym and I have my, my workout. And essentially I use that first sort of three, three and a half hours of the day for me is for no one else. It's utterly selfish, but I'm just pouring into me, pouring into me, pouring into me. But what has happened by complete, like I wasn't planning this or expecting this. What has happened is it, it, it kind of like pans out so that when we wake up, like ordinarily, when we wake up, we may be level two or level three version of ourselves. Like we, we're tired, we're a bit groggy and we're going straight into dad mode or straight into work mode. But because I was getting up that little bit earlier and spending that time with me, by the time it came to like 7, 7.30, I was coming home from the gym. I was like at seven, like level seven, level eight. I was a different and higher version of me. So I was coming in and I was just noticed that, oh, my relationship with Evie has never been stronger. Like I was really proud of the dad I was showing up as and then going into work. And I'm like, almost like buzzing with energy, like vibrating and, and <laughs> people pick up on it. And also what came from that was I started to get real clarity clear on who I was, what my purpose was, the challenges that were going on in my life. I started seeing them from a different angle. And as a result, I could solve them far easier and far quicker after like months of not being able to do stuff. Opportunities, I was better able to uh, sort of jump on them on the right opportunities. And so my life just started to go warm upwards. And that was great. But during that hard time over the summer, I saw a different angle of this of this sort of approach where it was, as I said, like the hardest time I've ever been in my life. Like it was brutal and coming from all directions. And it was those three hours in the morning that saved me. Had I not had that, I honestly don't know how I would have turned. I honestly, honestly don't know how I, how I would have turned out. And I certainly, I know for a fact I wouldn't be here now talking, talking with yourself earlier. I just, yeah, I just don't know. So it's, it's powerful. It's so powerful. It is the secret source. And I, just want to shout from the rooftop and like, go on, this is how this works. And I've seen it work for me and I've seen it work for others as well. One question that always comes to my mind and I think always comes to my listeners' mind when people talk about waking up so early, it's like, what time do you actually go to sleep? And does that sacrifice your evenings <laughs> a little bit with your partner and everything along those lines? Because I think people want to get to the practical steps of like, I would love to do this, but you know, I'm only just kind of finishing doing the dishes at 9.30. It's, you know, I, I get asked this question so many times and it's the same with the endurance events as well and it's like look I may get up at four o'clock uh, uh you know I may have done these events but I didn't start there you know I like with endurance I started with half marathon and the same with the early uh the early mornings I started by getting up 15 minutes earlier like it was nothing groundbreaking like this is my normal time I sort of get up like it's around this time so I'm gonna say it was say 6 a.m or 6.30, I'm going to get up a quarter past and I'm just going to start there. But the point is, I'm going to use those 15 minutes for me. I'm not going to, you know, snooze. I'm not going to like flap about. I'm going to get up straight away. I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to have my book ready. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to enjoy it. And then what happens, because again, people don't believe me when I say this, but I truly mean it. Like I go to bed at night excited about getting up at 4am. It is the best part of my day. Every single day. I love it and so very quickly into that process you're like oh, I'm really feeling I feel different about this I'm going to try getting up 15 minutes earlier so now it's half an hour earlier and I'm going to read 10 pages plus I'm going to meditate for 10 minutes and they get even more and then it just gradually works its way 
back to sort of six o'clock, quarter to six, half five, and you just do it. And there was no like external pressure. I didn't say, oh, you got to get up at four. I just felt that was where I was in my journey and I was ready for it. And I just, yeah, I just want it. So it's very attainable if you do it in bite size chunks and steps. Yeah. And I think a big thing is that the majority of the time when people have woken up early in the past, it's usually for something that they've not actually wanted to do. Like yeah. Not many people are waking up in the morning to do anything exciting for themselves. They've got an early flight to catch. They have to go to the gym because that's the only time of the day that they can, or they have to arrive at work early or something, or they've been woken up by a neighbor or their child or something along those lines. And it's never for anything particularly exciting. And I think that's a big thing that you mentioned there is that you are waking up to do something for yourself and once you recognize the return on investment that has then i think that that's like you said the penny drops you actually know why you're doing it and you become excited for it because this is the only time that you're going to pretty much have in your day to give to yourself and i think there's nothing wrong with that as well if your day after that has to go to your work your commitment as a parent or every single obligation that you've got under the sun it's not so bad because you've already done that part for yourself and i think that the resent comes from i'm just on call all the time everyone's asking me to do x y or z and you go into it with not so much of a smile on your face because you actually haven't done anything for yourself and there's no distribution of like okay there's this ratio that I've put in for myself here and then the rest is you know for the rest of the day and that's fine but when it's everything is for everyone else and nothing's for me I think that's why people trip themselves up so I think that's a big key point you mentioned there is that recognize that you're doing it for you and I think load in those things that you see as enjoyable maybe if you don't love reading physical books you put on an audio book or if you don't love the idea of I don't know, reading in the morning you go for a walk or you do something that is a little bit more incentivizing and then like you said once you get excited about that then it's like oh, what else can I add and what else can I add it's, it's so true and um yeah you don't have to read and you don't have to go to the gym I choose those activities what I've actually done is I've pulled together um like an archive of around some 30 high leverage success-based habits so things like this is how you can use your morning and I've been helping people to sort of roll this out and it's scary so scary like and like when they first say well this is what my life looks like and we go through it and if like i was on this call a couple of weeks ago and the guy's like yeah so i get up at this time straight into dad mode he then has you know a big team in his corporate role and they're straight into this and i'm like when's the time for you he's like oh, i don't really get any and i'm like no wonder you've got so such severe anxiety and and you're you know all of this we need to put some structure in place we need to create some time for you and that has to be used to invest in you and some people say oh i'll do it in the evening like they won't do it in the evening we're tired in the evening we've spent the whole day focusing mainly on other people like you won't do it the time to do it is in the morning it certainly doesn't have to be getting up at 4am but the principle of you're filling up your cup before you start doing the others and what i found as well is that i feel so full in the morning i feel so full up that my focus naturally goes away from oh, what's in it for me and you know, i just i just feel like i want to serve more i want to help more i want to be more present it, it's just yeah it blows me away it's uh it's truly life-changing yeah and the key with that evening part as well is when you wake up in the morning 
the rest of the world, the rest of the world, I should say, is not actually awake yet. The majority, at least. Whereas when it comes to the evening time, pretty much everyone under the sun on your time zone, at least, is awake and ready to ask you for X, Y, or Z. So I think that's the key of the morning time as well. It's just that stillness, that quiet. And if anyone's up at that time, they're usually doing the same thing as you are. So they don't want to be bothered. They're investing in themselves, so no one wants to reach out to that email. And if they are going to, then you've already got your boundaries in place that block people from doing that as well. Well, and I'm curious, does your wife do the same? Because I know a lot of people will think, well, it's easy to say as the dad, but what about the mum? No, she doesn't. So uh, Vicky loves her sleep. So <laughs> um, she, she, she doesn't. And she's always struggled with mornings. But the times when she has done this, like she openly says, I've never felt better. And I can see it as her. I mean, we've been together for six and a half years. And I can always tell like she's turning up to the day as a different person like you can see it in and it just reinforces the approach and I think a lot of people struggle mentally to get over the idea of the early morning but it's just recognizing that yeah for the first few days it's gonna feel weird and it's you're gonna feel groggy and you're gonna feel tired but you don't need nine hours sleep you don't need eight hours sleep very quickly when you start to associate that oh I've actually had a bit of time for me it, it very quickly starts to, to change and you, you're like, oh, it is naturally like, oh, I do want to get up a little bit earlier and do this as well or extend my walk. So yeah, Vicky, Vicky sort of oscillated between the two, um, but I'm, I'm still working on it. Talk to us about those 30 high leverage habits. I'm keen to hear, you mentioned some of them throughout your own routine, exercise, meditation, visualization. Talk to us about some of the other ones that might be creeping up because a lot of people hear meditation, they think it's esoteric, they think it's not for them. And then they'll be like, well, I don't really want to get out to the gym in the morning. So they're like, okay, well, do I read? What else do I do? So can you talk to us about some of those high leverage habits that you think are really beneficial for people to start implementing? Yeah, I think the key where there's high leverage and it's like, I've got a real thing about time. Uh, you can't quite see it, but on the wall behind me, I've got a poster that's um, it's like 86 rows and each row represents one year of your life. And uh, the rows are broken into different squares and you color each square at the end of each week and you can visually see this is how much of life I've lived. And assuming... I live to 86. This is how much time I've got. And it's a daily reminder of time is ticking. Like we don't, like we don't have the time. We have to make the most of it now. And so, and taking that, that sort of principle down to the ground. So things that I do, I'm always looking for, is this the most productive thing I can be doing that will leverage my limited time that's slipping away by the moment? And so the high leverage activities, if I'm waking up at 4 a.m., boy, do I want to make sure that I'm focused on the stuff that, that is actually going to give me the biggest Results. So there's different forms of visualization and meditation, for example. So uh, visualizing is, you know, very well known and, and commonly accepted, particularly in uh, like the sports world um, and the business world as well. But I, I do different flavors of it. So the one I've been running for quite a long time now is a gratitude visualization. So I'm not just visualizing the, re the result, but I'm just putting myself into a state where I'm just feeling extremely appreciative and grateful for having done that or been that or whatever that you know the the focus of that visualization is you've got the reading so it's like the bread and butter um there's also the things like no alcohol so i've been alcohol free for just over five years now and that in itself has been phenomenal um it's been one of the best decisions i've ever made like truly one of the best decisions for some people they can struggle with that or they can struggle with the idea of 
it's quite extreme, you know, going from alcohol to nothing. And so building in that into their day, so I'm not going to have alcohol today, not going to have alcohol today, can be very powerful because all of a sudden they're starting to change their beliefs and their perceptions around that as well. Um, you've got the exercise, of course. There's the reading. There's a few of the more uh, like sort of cold water therapy. So five minute cold shower, um, as an example. And, and those type of activities, which... I sort of change, I, I don't change a lot. I've got the core ones, but then depending on uh, what I'm trying to do or if I'm helping someone with this, like what their goals are, sort of sort of bring them into place. But. Yeah, I think it's really about choosing what you need in your life as well and kind of looking into that toolkit and asking yourself, okay, what do I need right now? Like for me as a health and fitness coach, I don't need to get up and go run seven miles before the sun rises because I know that if I need to put that physical strain on myself, I know I have the ability to do that. I probably need to work internally more than I do externally. So it's probably, okay, I need to reach for the book. I need to go into meditation. That's probably going to be the wiser and more beneficial thing for me because I know I'm going to eat well. I know that I'm going to go and train. So I think it's all about choosing those things that you kind of know that you need and start with those, those easy wins as well. It's like, well, what am I feeling right now? Am I feeling a little bit overweight? Okay, well, it's probably a good idea to invest a little bit more in my physical health or am I feeling just a little bit messy in my head? Okay, potentially some meditation or some breath work or something along those lines could be beneficial or even journaling or something along those lines. So I think I like that. It's like having that toolkit and not saying, okay, well, this is my morning routine and it's never going to change. It's like, well, what does my life call for at this moment that maybe I'm not giving it? It's so true and it's so flexible. So uh, things I've had... Um, in the past that have changed slightly. So I've had, um, for example, 10 minutes of life admin. It's real non-thinkable, but life admin just seems to creep up on me and creep up to the point where I'm getting fines for not submitting stuff like on time. And then I've got people who the conversations are open-ended and it's, and it's not like I'm not being intentional in terms of choosing not to respond to them. I'm just choosing not to prioritise it. So stuff like that has been transformational. I've got a couple at the moment, which is, 10 minutes of uh, like an online course that I do every day like I love learning like a lot of people but I find oh yeah buy that course and you don't do it I'm like well what's the point in doing of buying it if you're not going to do it so 10 minutes a day and it's incredible how like how quickly you progress through things so the the 10 pages of reading in the in the period of 12 months I read 26 books and I just feel to myself and I list them. I've got a list of the books I read. Every time I finish one, it goes onto the list and I read it from start to, to finish. I don't start something if I'm not going to finish it um, when, with, with my reading. And I look at it and think, if I was to sit down right now and say, right, you're going to read 26 books, even like 15 books in the next year, I know for a fact it wouldn't happen. But 10 pages a day, it can take anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes, depending on the type of book and the, the complexity of it. And all of those books have been like personal growth focused. They've been how I can improve as a person or how can I improve as a like, a, like more of an athlete or business owner, et cetera, et cetera. And so many nuggets of wisdom have come at the right time that helped me to move forward. All of this is about being flexible and it's about working it around your priorities and, and your, your circumstances as well. Yeah, I love that. And I think it comes guilt-free as well because it's not time that you would have spent awake anyway. It's not time that you're supposed to be doing something for someone else, right? And I think that 
like you said, it has to have that flexibility as well. You don't want to feel tied to those 10 pages. And if yeah, you have a rough night with the kids or you're up, um, you know, at 3 a.m. in the morning, you, you can only fall back asleep and you miss your alarm, whatever. I think it's just a case of being soft with yourself, but also being committed to it at the same time. And I think that sometimes we go into this all or nothing mindset of like, well, if I don't wake up on the dot at 5 a.m., you know, my whole morning's ruined, you know. And there's the other side of it as well and where it can become like something that, locks you into place and you're like okay well this is the rigid thing and if i don't do it then you know i'm going to feel stressed all day everything along those lines but i think you've developed a good amount of flexibility with it as well which i which i'm really appreciating hearing as well and i think you know if i'm taking anything away from this i think a lot of people's life problems can be answered by just waking up one hour earlier and doing the things that they feel like they need to do for themselves honestly i think like regardless of what the activities are it's the principle of waking up a little bit earlier to put time into you and and I struggle to understand how people can struggle with that because I'm like, well, if you don't put time into you, who is? You you have to look after yourself. And and I don't mean that in terms of like screw everyone else. I mean, like from a health and well-being perspective, you have to keep your cup full so that you're in a position where you can look after other people if you choose to. And many of us are in roles where... Well, of course we do. We have partners, we have children, we have uh, jobs that we care about and the businesses that we care about and employees. And so we need to be in a, in a place where we are looking after ourselves in a, in, a, in a fairly holistic way. And this has been the most, going back to the high leverage approach and time is ticking, this has been the most impactful high leverage way I've, I've ever seen, to be honest. And um, I look around each day and I'm like, well, this is the outcome of of that and uh yeah just feel just feel incredibly grateful mm. and let's come back to that four thousand weeks poster that you've got behind you as well do you reflect a lot on your mortality i do i so when i when i tell people about that poster the first thing they say morbid. is oh, so yeah, morbid. <laughs> and the first thing i say back is it's not morbid it's the ultimate reality it's the ultimate realism because like it or not that is that is real like our time is ticking and particularly with some of the events that happened over the summer, um, with, yeah, you know, like my mother-in-law, because mum passing away, my, my youngest sister being diagnosed with breast cancer, it just makes you think, and a few other people in my like, close proximity in my life, like there's literally like three or four people like in a row, it's like, this is intense. Um, I do think about it a lot, and I think about it from a place of, I want to live life to the full, I, I truly want to live life to the full I don't want to be stuck in an office every day or I don't just want to be focused on making money I want to experience like life in its fullest and that could be everything from the joy of seeing my daughter start school a few weeks ago all dressed up and proud in her school uniform but being there to see that all the way through to um in March I was in the Arctic Circle and I was we there's a small group of us and we woke up we camped out and uh, we decided to climb a mountain which in hindsight was a little bit foolish because uh, the weather came in on us halfway up and we had no choice but to keep going um, but I was the first to the summit and that was the most extreme situation I'd ever been in in my life and it, like you could barely see um, everything was frosted around your face and it I just felt a very heightened sense of awareness and 
that's what I mean by living to the full. It's not just, oh, bank account says this today or that today. So that's where that focus on the mortality comes from. Because if we're not going to do it now or soon, then when? And the only final thing I have to say about this, which completely stumps me when I when I heard it, it was actually the therapist I went to see um, after I was having those anxiety and panic attacks. And he said to me, he didn't go into any like personal details, but he said to me, like, Adrian, I have a lot of people sitting in that chair you're sitting in. And uh, someone once said to me, their biggest regret, that was like the latter part of their of their life, I said their biggest regret was that they didn't use their body in, in ways that they could have. And I thought about that and I never, ever heard anyone say that. Because normally it's like, oh, I wish I hadn't spent more time at the office or I wish I'd taken these more risks. But I never heard someone say, I wish I'd used my body more and it just struck a chord because I had I had done sort of marathons and triathlons and the biggest event I'd done was an Ironman in my sort of mid to late 20s but I hadn't done anything there was a big gap after that and I just thought I want to do this stuff why aren't I doing it like I'm physically I'm physically able to do it now but I might not be next year I might have a, a crash or something might happen you gotta like grab it and and just go for it yeah it's powerful because if we think about those 4,000 weeks but as you unfortunately know with your mother-in-law is that those 4,000 weeks aren't always promised either. I'm not sure exactly what age she passed, but that's a big, big reality in itself as well. It's like, if we're lucky, we get those. And I think that that's a big, big wake-up call for many people. And it's interesting that you've had these two kind of profound wake-up calls in your life, the moment when you knew that you were going to have Evie, and then that other moment where you were having those panic attacks and anxiety, and you were waking up at night and recognized that you needed to do something about that. When life doesn't seem to be presenting the solution for you or the way forward for you, do you have any advice on how people can start finding that light and start working towards it? They might hear everything we're saying today, but just they can't get themselves with enough kind of inertia and activation energy to get themselves out of that position. Do you have any advice for those people who feel stuck in that place? Absolutely. The Because I felt stuck in that place for a very, very long time. I felt stuck in that place throughout my whole 20s, so it's like a decade, and then even my early 30s up until um, having Evie. And in hindsight, the... It was and is that time of investing in myself. I mean, really investing in myself. I'm not talking about signing up for a course and doing that. I mean, if someone's feeling like that, then you need to start creating space in your day. It doesn't have to be a lot, even if it's 15 minutes, but start creating that space and honour it. Don't let anything or anyone come into that. Uh, that's time for you and use that time to focus on you and to start if it's reading, if it's just sitting down in peace and quiet and having a nice cup of coffee and reading a magazine, it doesn't have to, you don't have to be reading the magazine, you don't have to be reading, but creating that space. The big realization I've had, because I was in this and then like now seeing it with others, is that people just do not create time for themselves. But you need that time to give you the clarity, you need that time to give you that that energy and I found that as that space got bigger and bigger and I was in turn spending more and more time working on me, the clarity around those problems and situations started to become much clearer and it didn't solve themselves, but they went a long way to solving them, like to solving it and, and moving forward. So I would just suggest create some time for yourself, minimum 15 minutes. And if you don't want to do any of the reading and all that, that's fine right now. Have a cup of tea, have a coffee and just like just do you yeah and i think it's so necessary because if 
like you said, so many people have been lacking that for maybe the majority, at least the majority of their adult lives. And I think that a lot of people think, ah, that time for me is maybe sitting down and watching Netflix in the evening. But it's, I always ask people, like, if you had a world of endless opportunities, would you really choose to watch that series that you're not that interested in? I mean, sometimes there are amazing things on Netflix and all these other things, don't get me wrong. However, if you had an endless sea of opportunities in which you could choose, you had time, you had the energy or the enthusiasm, and like you said, all these endurance events and everything that you wanted to do, would you still choose Netflix? And the answer to that question is pretty much always a no. And it's more falling into, okay, well, this is the easiest form of escapism that I can access right now that feels like I'm putting time into myself. But really, I'm just looking for an escape from reality because of my day-to-day existence is really challenging, it's really tough, and in some ways I might not be enjoying it, to be completely honest. So I think that that's a big, big wake-up call for a lot of people as well. It's like, like you said, you can you just sat down, like being t- spending time with yourself, drinking tea or coffee. It doesn't have to be anything too profound to begin with, but it's about what it can lead no. to and hopefully opening up that space so you can choose something, as you said, more intentional versus more kind of down the route of escapism. I literally posted about this yesterday on my, on my Instagram story saying how yesterday was a tough day. Some like some things happened and there was nothing that could be done other than just taking it on the chin. And I was just sharing that I'm not disheartened by it. This is part of the journey but what I would have used to have done would would be deafen the noise so whether that's overeating whether that's drinking alcohol um of, of like watching tv excessively like it's just us not confronting stuff that we need to confront and it goes back to your question on terms of like having the energy and mustering that sort of motivation for that first step and that's where it comes, well, turn the TV off and just go and sit by yourself and, and make that cup of tea. But do that every day or go out for a walk, just a five minute walk even. But do that every day and just allow yourself, give yourself that and you will start to you'll start to feel differently. And in turn, you'll start to see yourself and, and the things going on around you from a different perspective. And that's when the mini breakthrough, uh, the breakthroughs sort of come through but you can't do that if you just won't get off the sofa and and uh yeah sort of move from that yeah and it requires a big step like it has become a lot of people's comfort zone and the reason it's called a comfort zone is for a reason it's comfortable and it is going to feel uncomfortable to step away from that but i think it's sometimes about the promise of what it can be versus how it's going to feel in that moment and just always recognize like it's never going to feel easy in that first step but trust me when you start really really investing yourself it will be worth it and i have a few different directions i want to kind of go into when it comes to the questions that I've got off the back of all the things we've spoken about. And the one thing I do want to touch on is you giving up alcohol. Living in the UK and being in an industry where I'm sure is very, very, you know, inclusive of drinking on a regular basis. It doesn't matter what industry you are in the UK. I mean, even in the health and fitness industry, when I worked as a personal trainer in London, you know, you still get invited to the pub and it's kind of outrageous of how big that culture is in the UK. How did you find stepping away from that? Because I think there's a lot of peer pressure associated with it there's a lot of social pressure and there's also a lot of maybe undercover addictions that many many people don't realize maybe until a later stage but when you ask them to take away the alcohol they only actually realize where the relationship is with it so how did you find that especially living in the uk where it seems to be very very prevalent yeah so i was definitely in the latter camp there where i was becoming increasingly aware that i i 
I had a like a problem and I had a, a bad relationship with alcohol and I couldn't just have one or two drinks. It was like it was a, it was a slippery slope and um, there's a couple of situations where I was like, if I don't change this, then I'm gonna either end up killing myself or killing someone else. Like it was, uh, there was sort of some of the insights, but I tried so many times and I couldn't quite do it. But there, like, if anyone's thinking about this, like, recognize there is a lead up to making that decision and you don't want the decision to be some big massive decision i'm going to give up alcohol for the rest of my life like that's not the way to approach this so the way when i was successful with it so there was a lot of lead up in terms of like i was listening to a lot of podcasts on being alcohol free and just understanding i was doing some self-education but not sitting down reading the course or uh like there are some good books out there but i never like read them at that time, I just wanted to educate myself and start getting myself in the mindset of, okay, so life actually sounds pretty cool. Like it, it was just bringing down the fear aspect of it. And then when it actually happened, so my, uh, so Vicky went on a work trip to California for a week. She worked for a big um, uh, US-based tech company. And uh, the first thing I did was, it was really hot, so I had a barbecue um, and then went over with my mates for a barbecue and we were drinking that night and it wasn't even that heavy like we used to go out and have complete blowouts so it wasn't even that heavy but I felt awful the next day as one of the worst hangovers I've ever had and I couldn't quite connect the dots why um so I just said to myself I'm not going to drink for 30 days that's all it is I don't care I didn't go into it thinking I'm going to give up alcohol forever I just I'm not going to drink for 30 days and during those 30 days was when I was doing like listening to more podcasts and just immersing myself and I do this in all areas I've done it with buying businesses and other things I love to like listen to people and learn from people who are in this in this position and so I was listening to uh, these podcasts and yeah you know I had some urges for alcohol but I didn't I didn't like jump to them, I didn't respond to them. And I was fastly coming up to the end of the 30 days and I felt so proud of myself. Like this is the longest period I, I'd gone. And then it, I hadn't even hit the 30 days. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go for 90 days, which was just mind blowing. It's like, oh, what, three months? Like you got to be kidding. You haven't done that since like before you started drinking. So like 16, 17. And, and I was like, whoa, but I'm going to do it. And I knew I would do it. I was just so like, I had the momentum and that's the key word, like you build momentum of this, which is why you start with the lead up and the education. And then uh, it was, when was it? It was about, it's about two, two and a half months into the 90 days. I was a little bit sad the 90 days were coming to an end. And then I made a massive decision, which was I'm going to go for one whole year with no alcohol. And I just went for it. And then it was about six months into that. I was just like, I'm done. I'm I'm done. Like I'm done with alcohol. And I and if anything, I was going through the motions to get to that twelve month mark. But in terms of how do you like manage stuff like social situations and social pressures because they are real. And I think people have it's right and fair to be conscious of that and not fearful, but conscious of it. Now, certainly when I gave up alcohol, there was a few like alcohol free alternatives. Um, there's so many more now so you're in a really good place and they are great props and it's more for other people than for you so I remember going to a party and it was about a week or so into this and I was sitting there with my alcohol free beer no one noticed 
like no one noticed but uh, someone did at the end and like what you've been haven't been drinking all night I've just seen you drinking beer all night I was like it's alcohol free and I felt great because not only had I had I done that first night alcohol free but I also saw for the first time the reality of all these friends and people around me they were they were drunk I'm like you look ridiculous like some of them look really ridiculous and so if you are thinking of this I would control the situations you put yourself in at the start to build your confidence so don't go to a massive rave not saying anyone would but don't go to a massive rave with this like say no to that but if there's a small social gathering of friends and family people you like and trust be open with them if you want to um but have the props and just it's more to build your your confidence um and it just builds gradually and so i've now done three stag do's sober and they've been brilliant some of the best times of my life and you always get a couple of people who, again, you stand in there with your alcohol-free beer and then it's their round and they go to the bar, what are you drinking, Amy? And I'm like, oh, it's alcohol-free. And they're like, what? And they're, you know, they're half, um, they're half drunk themselves and it's, they don't like it because it shines a mirror on them. And every single stag do, all those three, I've had at least one of the people on the stag do who's been drinking come up to me and say, ah, oh, you know, I've been thinking about this. What's it like? Like getting so, like getting grilled for the whole weekend. But the point in this, I don't want to waffle on, but it's building momentum to start with the education and then just when you make a decision, keep it short, so 30 days, and then control those first initial social interactions, have your props with the alcohol-free stuff, and just build confidence that you can do it because you can. Yeah, I love that. I really, really do. And I think the big part there as well for me is being able to see others in that situation. And I think quite often it's all about leaning towards, okay, what am I taking away? You know, what am I missing out on? But when you're able to take a step back and review your relationship with alcohol, I think a lot of the times like alcohol controls people, people don't have control over alcohol. And I think by taking that step back, those 30 days, it's just going to allow you to assess where your relationship is. And also, as you mentioned, you didn't hide away from those scenarios. You didn't go to the rave. You didn't go to the, you know, the winery. It probably wasn't the wise idea to do that. But you went to that social setting where you could navigate it and you were able to say, okay, well, this is how people behave in these scenarios. And like, do I, does this really align with the version of myself that I really want to be? And it's not to say that you can't enjoy it. Like, I personally have a very healthy relationship with alcohol, I personally believe. I don't feel that I need to go sober in order to be like, okay, you know, this is going to help me in profound ways in my life. There's other things that I need to do to do that. But I really do find the situation of, like being aware of what's going on for the first time like you said since you were 16 17 before you started alcohol you never had the opportunity to actually see well what does my life look like without it and what uh, what do other people look like when i'm sober when i'm on the outside looking in they have this third person perspective for the first time so i hope that people are going to take that on board and like you said if they're just on that edge just give it a try even if 30 days sounds intimidating try two weeks 100 percent. and if anything i i made more of an effort to go to those initial social like events than i normally would have because of the very reason i wanted to prove to myself that i could go through it rather than like looking myself away and um, not getting out there thinking oh i can't go out and get involved in my i can't live my life because i've made this decision too many people think it's a trade-off, but if anything, it's, it's like smoking. It's given me more life. It's given me more opportunities to enjoy events a lot more. And some of the things that happened, and this is very common to hear this, is that some of the relationships I had uh, with friends and that, which I thought were, you know, sort of bro for life and uh, hard, strong relationships, completely crumbled, like very naturally after that, because it became clear that our, our relationship was based around 
alcohol and all of the stuff that sort of went along with that. And I was really surprised, it, but it felt natural. It wasn't like it was some big breakup and we don't speak to each other. We just felt in the in the, the, the interactions and time we spent together is, is just a bit awkward. And, and But what came in replacement with that was more fulfilling relationships. And so now I'm just, I've got a great group of friends. We have shared interests, um, like proper share interests and the depth of those relationships and the joy and fulfillment I get out of them and that they get out of them is, is far superior than anything, anything I had before, which was, yeah, going out with your mates, partying or whatever. Yeah, love that. Love that, Adrian. And this conversation has been packed full of insights. It's been really, really fascinating as well. And I want to wrap up with a couple of final ones. And the first is, what impact do you want to have on the world with the work that you do? Um, <laughs> love the big ones at the end. I think my... Yeah, that's a, that's a big one. Um, I've come to a place where, uh, certainly in terms of how I manage and structure of my life and my days where I feel so full up from the activities that I do for me I I just want people to I see so much potential in everyone I speak to so much potential yet they don't believe it or they don't quite have the right tools or they've got the tools but they don't know how to put the pieces together the for me it's about giving them that and then like they go off flourishing I guess or it's not even giving it to them if, if it's just inspiring them to get up 15 minutes early and to spend some time for themselves that's enough because I know I know through experience what impacts that will have if they do that consistently I know that that will gradually change things for them so yeah I think that's it for me and it's, it's the major driving force really it's, it's just helping people to get out of their own way and become what everybody's like capable of becoming love that love that and where's the best place for people to find if they want to keep up with the work that you're doing or see some of the insightful motivational things that you put out yep so uh instagram it's purely instagram i'm very active on instagram uh i post on there several times a day particularly my stories and sharing the reality of what's going on in my life uh pretty uh, sort of warts and all um, so my handle there is Adrian J Knight, uh, Knight with a K, um, and no S on the end. And uh, yeah, I love love connecting with people, love finding out about them, hearing their stories, and uh, just yeah, getting to know people really. So yeah, please reach out. Amazing, Adrian. This has been amazing, and we'll put all that in the show notes below. Thank you so much for your time today, buddy. Honestly, Elliot, thank you so much, and uh, yeah, I just love what you're doing here, and uh, yeah, really inspired myself. Thank you. And that was the Simply Fit podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. So reach out to me on social media. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.